to kick off this podcast, I just want to make a few fact checks because within the podcast that I made, I made a few errors. So Jalen Turner actually won via submission. So after he knocked down um, Brock Weaver, he actually sunk in uh, a rear naked choke there, and that's how he won. So when that fight comes up, just remember that. And also when I talk about Roosevelt Roberts versus Kevin Kroom, um, Roosevelt Roberts' debut was not against Brock Weaver. That was just the first time he fought this year, and I guess the first time I've ever heard of him. And he has a, I believe it's a, just to get this right, let's see here. He has a, I'm, I'm almost 100% positive, he has a bout money, like bout money tattoo on his chest, not get your money. I don't know why I said that. Um, yeah, I think I think that's it. I just didn't want to spread any false information, but Thank you guys. Enjoy the podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe. I just wanted to make a few fact checks because I don't like when I say the wrong stuff, but I was kind of rushing through it because I was like so excited to talk about it. But thank you guys and enjoy. What is going on, Jonah? How's it going? How are you doing? Very good. That is awesome to hear. I could be doing a little bit better. It's been a rough day for me today, but it's okay. What happened? Well, the Giants got swept, their doubleheader, they got swept against the Padres because they had a false positive test. Alex Dickerson was, was, had a false positive test, and then the Niners lost today, which is amazing. Are they back below 500 now? The yeah, just, just one game below 500. But yeah, before we kind of start this episode, dude, the freaking Nuggets. Yeah. What do you think it happened? Do they, they don't play tomorrow, though, right? They play... Yeah, on Tuesday again, but I yeah. guess... If I had to give a quick synopsis of what happened this entire time, I thought the Clippers' biggest strength was going to be their depth and their bench, and that ended up being their biggest weakness. They got absolutely slaughtered in the, wow. the where, like, Lou Williamson, in particular, Montrez Harrell, were yeah. out on the floor. Um, when Montrez Harrell and Jokic are on the floor at the same time, it's just an absolute slaughter fest for the Clippers. They get killed. Montrose hair looks terrible. I think Doc Rivers has got to do whatever possible to keep Harrell off the floor, whether that's um, just playing Zubots more than he has been, whether that's um, trying to buy Jermichael Green minutes at the five, whether it's even using Kawhi to guard Jokic and Paul George to guard Murray and just switching. I don't know. Whatever he's got to do to keep Harrell off the floor, I think you go for it. And then you just got to hope Shannon and Lou Williams can give you something on offense and i think that's going to be the key for the clippers surviving <laughs> if they don't get if they don't win that whole other the whole, our whole last episode's a bust i know we're gonna have to do an emergency podcast no 110 percent. and you're doing a public apology okay all right okay and also i just want to point this out i've added a couple things to my background here this is a puzzle of AT&T Park, which is now Oracle Park. And it took me, for, me and Bianca forever to make. So I put this in a frame. That's so cool. You can yeah. see the bridge in the background. Yeah, everything is that there. how it is in real life that you can see the bridge in the background? I don't know. Oh, actually, yeah. Because actually, really? yes. Yeah, you can see that. Because when you're driving into the city, you can see Oracle Park right there. Mm, that's so cool. That's got to be one of the coolest baseball stadiums in America, oh. right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I've then never- also... You've never been? No. No. Yeah, it's sweet. You got, It would be sick if we went to the Giants game sometime. That would be awesome. But then I also put a classic Golden State Warriors pennant right there, but oh. you can't really see it because my head's blocking it. I can see it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can't see it now. 
No, not anymore. No, but so I just really wanted to make this episode because I wanted to talk about the crazy fights that took place on Saturday. This will be out Monday and today is Sunday. It wasn't the best Sunday for me as I'm probably going to mention this a few times throughout the podcast that I'm a little bit depressed right now, but it's okay. We're going to get through it and we'll just, I think we play the Jets next. Okay. And the Jets are, the Jets are going to get stopped. We all did pretty well on our, Really? I, uh, I did good. I think we did pretty well on our predictions, but I'll add them up after Monday. But, I know that I know the Dolphins lost. I lost a I lost a little bit there. Yes. And then there's I think there is another one where oh you guys lost the Vikings game and I'm the only one that picked the Packers. Oh really? Yeah. Well, but out of all five of us. Huh? Out of all five of us. Dude, Jared and Luke still haven't sent me their thing. Oh, they so I'm just going to forget about it. It's fine. Yeah. I think they just spaced on it, but it's it's cool. Um. So, uh, all right. I just wanted to go through really quickly, like, some of the top fights. Basically, all of them are super solid. I know you didn't get a chance to watch any because sports are kind of, like, it's overwhelming now because every, everything's back. It's, it's pretty. Awesome. Yeah, it is pretty sick. Um, What would you say – you're kind of going to be into more once basketball winds down. Well, with it being like such a, like 24 um, or 12 month a year sport, like honestly, once basketball's over, I'll probably start focusing on the draft and free agency. And Dude, stuff you're and just, stuff. you're just committed. Yeah. I'll probably start. You need to become an NBA journalist. No. Once, yeah. No, no. I, do you just should that. cover the blazers. I don't want to have to write that much, but um, yeah, that's true. You don't have to write that much. You write a couple paragraphs. Once, but anyway, once the season's over, I'll probably start watching even more film about like the guys who are going to be in the draft and start working yeah. on that. But I, sick. I'll, I'll probably start watching football, I guess, or baseball because it'll be the playoffs for baseball, huh? Yes, sir. October. Yeah, I always get excited for like baseball playoffs and World Series. I never That's really cool that you do because, yeah, I, I, I will too, depending on if the Giants are in or not. If they're not, I don't really care that much. I can pretty much get myself excited for, like, playoffs in any sport. I feel like basketball is really the only sport where I follow the regular season super closely. Though. Yeah, it's really hard for me to get involved and, like, get, get excited if I don't have, like, a connection to something. Or yeah. unless there's a really good storyline, too. If there's a really good storyline that pulls something in like an underdog, like I'll watch it. And if Portland, if Portland ever gets that MLB team, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like watch baseball all the time. But 100%. Uh, I could see it happening. I, I mean, they're trying hard, but I think it's kind of everything's kind of taken like a backseat to Corona and everything, you know. If Portland got a baseball team, you wouldn't switch allegiances from the Giants, right? Like you'd stay in No, but I would try to go to games and watch. That's what I thought. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, Dude. I would for sure go. I would take advantage of that 110%, but I'm not going to switch teams just because I'm a... It's not like because I'm still a Warrior fan. I'm not like a Blazer fan. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, if Oregon got a professional football team, I would still be a 49er fan too. I don't think Oregon ever would. No, I don't think so. But yeah, unless they did a big-ass expansion, that'd be crazy. Yeah. But also... I don't know. We'll get into this later. Okay. So starting off the day was um, 
Justine Kish versus Sabina Mazo. And this fight was actually sick though, because um, Justine Kish is, was so tough. And like, usually, I don't know, like a lot of fights, especially sometimes like the first ones right out of the gate, guys kind of feel themselves out a little bit, but like Justine Kish was so good. And she was following up all of her strikes with like heavy leg kicks, like constant constant like she'd throw like a jab and then throw like two leg kicks like haha and then like it was really sick but then um sabina mazo she was kind of she's a really good striker herself but she like kept kind of clipping justine kish with head kicks throughout the fight and eventually that was the kind of the end of justine kish but it this fight i feel like really set the tone and then sabina mazo eventually clipped kish with a head kick and um that dropped her and then she eventually sunk in a rear naked choke on the ground but yeah, it was a hella good fight. And then following that up, another like Brian Barbarena, as he's kind of not like a gatekeeper, but he he's just like a really good guy for the division because he's kind of a brawler and he's just kind of because the top of the uh, welterweight division is so loaded with kind of wrestlers and not necessarily strikers. But he's a really fun like alternative guy, and he fought. He fought Anthony Aquaman Ivy, and this fight was pretty sick. Like Brian Barbarena, although he he has super heavy hands and he's coming back from back surgery, and I'm sure his doctor is just ecstatic that he's gonna go back right back to fighting after getting like extensive back surgery. But he's really good, super good. He's pretty has pretty good takedown defense, really heavy hands, and it was a really good fight. And Brian Barbarena ended up winning a unanimous decision. Uh yeah, it, on two of the judges' scorecards, he won at 30-27, which is impressive. But I, th- I think this is a really good learning experience for Anthony Aquaman Ivy because he hasn't fought like some of the guys Brian Barberina has. Brian Barberina has fought like Colby Covington. And I want to talk about that fight a little bit. Like, I'm praying to God none of those fights fall out because that card literally could be like a it's better than some of the pay-per-view cards. So you have Jonah, I swear, you have to watch it next Saturday. Some of the guys that are fighting are it's it's insane. You'll 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 definitely get some new fan favorites. And then Jalen Turner versus Brock Weaver. I don't know what the future is for Brock Weaver. He, he's he has like a Native American heritage, so he always comes to um like he always comes to fights in like the headdresses or like in a hat and stuff. And he looks sick, but he's kind of been struggling lately because he's been fighting pretty good guys. And Jalen Turner six for 155 pounds he's six foot three super long for the division and he kind of just is a precise calculated striker and it i think he got him out of there in the second yeah he got a knockout in the second round it was a nasty hook that just dropped him but the crazy thing was that um jalen turner thought he was done so he walked away he's like no no it's over and um herb dean the referee didn't even call the fight yet so he ended up having to go and start um, I, fr- I think Brock eventually kind of made it to his feet or something. And then, uh, Jalen Turner just kind of had to pour it on a little bit more with some ground and pound and eventually they stopped it. But yeah, it kind of, it kind of took away like a walk-off knockout from Jalen Turner, but it's fine. And then this one, the next one is hilarious because it was two guys that definitely don't have the best physiques, but in heavyweight, I guess like the really athletic bodies underneath, like maybe not the best physique and like Roque Martinez versus Alexander Romanov. Alexander Romanov basically destroyed 
um, poor Roque for like the whole entire time that they're in the cage. Cause Alexander Romanov, a lot of those guys, they have such good like wrestling or, or like judo and Sambo. And he pretty much just threw around a massive man and Michael Bisbing, one of the, uh, ref, uh, like announcers was talking about how, like they were testing the structural integrity of the octagon when they were throwing takedowns. But yeah, Alexander Romanov, um, basically took him to the ground like whenever he wanted to and then uh, sunk in like an arm triangle and he was laying on top of him. It was basically just nasty ground and pound and he was just like King Kong and like like just two <laughs> hammer fists and going like this on the poor guy. Yeah, Roque had a tough time, but he's he's tough. And then my – did we do Performers of the Week last week? No, or last we episode? We should no, do this. At the, okay. One of mine is definitely Kevin Kroom. He's been – um fighting in a different promotion he's been trying to make it to the ufc for like 13 or so years and he finally got a shot and um yeah he's i think he's fluctuated between like bellator and another one but he finally got a shot against roosevelt roberts who had a really good uh i think he had his debut was against brock weaver the guy that got knocked out by jalen turner and then he i think he sunk in a rear naked choke there roosevelt roberts did and then he took a tough loss against Jim Miller. He got an arm bar and it was hilarious. Roosevelt Roberts like texts uh, or he DM Michael Bisping before the fight, like the, uh, the announcer saying, I'm going to like, I can't wait to talk to you after my knockout or whatever. And then Kevin Kroom, he cracks Roosevelt Roberts in like the first third, like 20 seconds of the fight with the overhand left and then wobbles roosevelt roberts hurts him and then um Kroom sinks in like a guillot- like a standing guillotine and then he had to tap i'm pretty yeah that's what happened but how embarrassing is that to call your shot and then basically have what you want to do to the other person happen to you yeah yeah and he ha- he's he has a big roosevelt roberts has a big get your money tattoo on his chest <laughs> he, did, he didn't he only got half his money that night but yeah kevin Kroom. He's a savage and I'm really happy for him. Like, like I've said many times, stay ready. Cause you never know when you're going to get your shot. And he definitely took advantage of the opportunity and even beating such a tough guy. Like you never know what your next fight could be. Cause if you beat a really tough guy, you almost like kind of not jump the ladder, but you put yourself in a better position to get even a better fight your next time. Or even if a better guy like falls out of a fight, you can like raise your hand and be like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And if you, since you have such an impressive performance like that, the UFC will have a tough time turning you away. You know what I mean? Especially right. if you're an exciting fighter. And then the uh, prelims main event, Julia Avila. Uh, she's so good, and she fought Sajara Eubanks. I've never seen Sajara fight, but Julia Avila had a really impressive W her last time. She came in. Um, I, f- I forget. Let me see exactly who she fought. She Her first fight uh, was against, oh, yeah, Gina Mazzani. And Gina Mazzani, she kind of cracked Julia Avila with a few shots. Uh, and then Avila did a really good job of, like, kind of weathering the storm. And then all of a sudden, she just hit her with this, like, super impressive flurry, like, overwhelming kind of flurry and i think that was her plan to what she wanted to do to sajara eubanks but then sajara took the fight to the ground and kind of neutralized julia's striking but when they're on the feet it was really impressive but julia wasn't able to do what she i wanted to do sajara pretty much controlled her and then um 
got a unanimous decision. And then for like the first fight of the main card, Kyle Nelson versus Billy Quarantillo. Billy Quarantillo is an absolute savage. He's won like three straight fights since he's got signed from the Dana Wise Contender Series. And Kyle Nelson kind of gave him a little bit of early adversity, but then Billy Quarantillo started cracking him with hard shots and started making kind of a gritty, grindy fight, grinding against the cage, getting a few takedowns. And then Billy eventually in the third round, like he hurt him bad and uh, he hurt Kyle Nelson really bad in the third round. And then Billy cracks him at the opening bell and he just like did it. Kyle Nelson did a chicken dance and then they just called it. Like it was a really good stoppage because Billy Cortillo was about to follow up with some strikes. And I think it was Mark Goddard, like jumped in there and saved Kyle Nelson. But yeah, it was a really good stoppage. Um, Yeah, dude. Like I literally could talk so much about all of these fights. They were so good. And even like, I'll get to the main event, but the main event, I didn't expect it to be crazy, but it actually was. And then Bobby Green has had, he's like one of the, like a few, like, I think I want to say eight fighters that's fought three times this already this year. And he, he's beaten in his last outing. He beat a really tough guy in Lando Venata. And then he fought, I forget her earlier this year. He, oh yeah, he beat Clay Guida. And then he is fighting, he fought Alan Patrick on Saturday and Alan Patrick was, I think cause Bobby green, he's kind of more like a striker has his hands down pretty cocky kind of guy. And he's kind of having a resurgence in his career. But Alan Patrick, I think he's more of a jujitsu guy and he was trying to get the fight to the ground. But Bobby green was like, screw that. I'm going to use my experience. And he like kind of turned the tables and Bobby green showed off a really impressive performance because instead of using utilizing striking, even though he did get a lot of strikes in, he utilized his wrestling and takedown defense. And a lot like when uh Alan Patrick tried to Alan Patrick tried to get the fight to the ground, he kind of reversed the takedowns and ended up landing on top, even though it was Alan Patrick that was trying to initiate the takedown. And then Bobby Green kind of he got in a groove where he was like, I'm just gonna start taking him down myself because I'm having success here. And he's like in his last three performances, he's shown that he can strike with the best guys in the division, like Lando Venata, who's fought like Tony Ferguson. And then he just showed that he can grapple with an amazing, like with uh, Alan Patrick, who I think is a black belt in jujitsu. So yeah, pretty impressive. Bobby Green, he's going to be a problem. And then the Ed Herman fight. Ed Herman's like 40 years old, was an ultimate fighter three with Michael Bisping, the announcer. And then uh, he fought Mike Rodriguez, who looked pretty good. Mike Rodriguez was basically destroying Ed Herman and even hit him with a knee. And um, Ed Herman freaking fell down and it should have been a TKO. Like he literally didn't want to fight anymore. And um, he didn't want to fight anymore. And Mike Rodriguez was trying to follow up with punches just to stop the fight. And then... I forget who it was. I forget exactly what referee. He like said no, like stop. And he's like, it was a illegal groin shot. And they looked at the replay. The guy hit him. Just It was just a hard body shot. And Ed Herman kind of just faked it and stuff. And Michael Bisbee called him out after. He's like, I just want to like talk about, I, don't, I just want to like talk about that one point sequence in the fight where you were down and like, it was so stupid, but the even crazier part is Mike Rodriguez ended up losing the fight. He got caught in a Kimura in like the third round and Ed Herman just, I mean, Ed Herman is tough as hell, but like it was just super annoying that Mike Rodriguez got 
a dub basically stolen from him just because a referee missed a groin shot. Like it wasn't even close. It was just frustrating. But they ended up the UFC Dan White ended up giving uh, Mike Rodriguez his like winning money because you get like half to show up and then half to win or whatever. And so, yeah, Mike Rodriguez looks really good. He's super big and strong for the light heavyweight division. And Ed Herman looked kind of outmatched. And then as for Roxanne Montefiore and really Lee, I didn't really watch too much of that fight, but Roxanne took the dub. Um, yeah. And then for the co-main, Otman Azaitar versus Kamalworthy. Kamalworthy's kind of like on a tear. He like, he's beat Devontae Smith and Luis Pena, who are both really good strikers, but he kind of met his match uh, against Otman Azaitar, who's now 13-0 crazy overhand right crazy power and Otman kind of just he he stunned him wobbled him and then just heavy ground and pound and Kama Worthy was so out of it that he wanted to like argue the stoppage but it was like dude you're literally out and it was a really good stoppage by Herb Dean because Kama Worthy didn't need to take any more strikes to the head um but Kamalworthy is a good contender, but Otman Azaitar is going to be a really big problem for the lightweight division, especially because he's only 30, not yet. I mean, he's probably like in his prime right now, hasn't lost, has all the confidence in the world, just beat a really um, well-respected contender. So it's going to be interesting to see what the UFC has in store for him next. And then as for the main event, close split decision between Angela Hill. Angela Hill was the first since Glover Teixeira got COVID and Tiago Santa that fight is getting rescheduled for later in October. But like Angela Hill is the first ever African-American female to headline a UFC fight night or just card in general, which is pretty sweet. She put on a really good performance Her and Michelle Watterson basically fought their asses off and just because Angela Hill lost a close split decision, both of them, definitely uh have nothing like angela hill has nothing to hang her head over like both of those people the both of those girls won and both of them proved themselves to be um top women's straw weight so that basically wraps that up and another thing i wanted to say is there was a weird situation where uh i think it was about two years ago when it took place did you hear about this? The wrestler they got executed. So basically, uh, there was a wrestler in Iran that, uh, or Iran that uh, decided to protest, but apparently that's against the uh, wrestler's name is Navid uh, Afkari, and apparently protesting. I forget what exactly they're protesting for, but it's against the law there, and he ended up getting executed in the in the ufc in the u.s he was literally hung for just like a peaceful protest but the ufc tried to save him uh and even donald trump sent a tweet out like a half-assed tweet didn't mean anything (laughs) but yeah at least he tried but i mean like it's just tough when you're trying to intervene with a different country you know what i mean they're just basically gonna do what they want to do but it's super sad to see and bobby green was pretty upset after the fact like like in his post-fight interview, he I think he just found out what happened to the wrestler and that he was executed and he like didn't want to talk. He was just like, I'm done. But it's just really scary to think that there's places out there where, because this literally could have been a UFC fighter, right? 
And Dana White, it could have been almost out of his control, whether he could save his USC fight or not. And it's just really sad. But I, this guy was like a world champion wrestler. And it's just like crazy that, like, it's just weird that, like, right now in America, especially, like, we're protesting, we're exercising our right, and like, people can do that without even thinking it. And people are even taking advantage of it. You know what I mean? And there's some people that literally have to do it. And they're the consequences for it could mean losing their life. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. The different parts of the world and like, I don't know, it's vastly different. Like it's, I don't know. It's just really sad and just crazy time we live in. You know what I mean? But yeah, that basically wraps up UFC fights for last saturday crazy michelle watterson versus angela hill basically saved that card i was really looking forward to the clever to share versus tiago santos fight but that fell through and that'll be later in october i think like october 13th or something like that but yeah anything you want to say jonah not really um, no no are you looking are you you have to watch next saturday that we'll make an episode i'm gonna i'm going to my grandparents tomorrow okay so I'm going to bring some of my stuff so then we can do our episode on Tuesday and just pick our fighters or not our fighters, our games really fast. And then after Monday, I'll add up everything like okay. our records, but yeah. yeah. And yes, then maybe sir. On Thursday or Friday night, we can bring back the old school UFC prediction podcast. No. Yeah, for sure. I want to do predictions for this. I'll read out some of the fights because I really hope all of them stay like in place because a lot of because especially this Watterson versus Hill fight card a lot there was a lot of mixing and changing you know just because everything's so unpredictable right now yeah but so to like it's freaking crazy so Tyson Nam who's supposed to fight on the Michelle Watterson cards on this card he's going to be fighting Jerome Rivera and then we've got like Andre Ewell versus Irwin Rivera um We've got Jordan Espinoza versus David Vorak. Uh, we've got Darren Stewart versus Kevin Holland, which is going to be a banger. Kevin Holland's a stud. Um, and then Mackenzie Dern versus Ronda Marcos. Mackenzie Dern coming off a win like earlier in this summer, I think, against Hannah Cyphers. Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann is going to be cool. Johnny Walker, I think he's lost his last couple fights, but – yeah, he's lost his last couple fights to Corey Anderson and Nikita Krylov, but he's trying to get back on track because before that, he was literally trying to call out John Jones for the light heavyweight title because he's such a big, long um, kind of striker and he does crazy stuff, but that gets him in trouble because guys just take him down and neutralize him there. So I'm interested to see if that fight ends up going to the ground and if he has shown any of or if he's improved at all. And then obviously Hamza Chimaya versus Gerald Mershar, which is such an interesting dynamic there. Like if anybody knows UFC, you probably have heard like Hamza Chimaya, they've already scheduled him a fight after this to fight in Fight Island. And Gerald Mershar's taking that really personally because they haven't really done this ever where they've scheduled two fights for a guy. And so Gerald's like, I just want to ruin their plans because like, this guy is kind of taking the UFC by storm and they just, he just wants to crush the hype train. But I just think poor Gerald, bro. Like he's good and stuff, but Hamza Chamayev's on a different level. And unless he's fighting like a really big light heavyweight, 
I just can't see anybody in his like actual weight class beating him. He's just going to manhandle you. And it's going to be really interesting to see. I hope Jared Mershaw does well, but I just don't see anyone really beating Homsut. And then Donald Cowboy Cerrone is coming back for a co-main event against Nico Price. Nico Price is coming off a pretty, he fought Vicente Luque in his last fight. Vicente Luque is an absolute savage. Nico Price did well, but ended up getting caught and knocked out. And he's been out for a while. He's been really active, like watching the fights. Cause you know, like there's like the little Twitter box where it shows up, like, and people comment like on the fights, okay. he's always yeah. on there. And then obviously Donald Cowboy Cerrone's back. I think this will be his third time this year fighting. He has, he obviously lost to Connor in January and then he beat, and then he, I thought he beat Anthony Pettis, but they gave Anthony Pettis like the decision. And then obviously, Colby Chaos Covington versus Tyron Woodley. It's going to be so interesting to see that fight because Tyron Woodley appears to be on the decline from where he was as a champion last year. And Colby Covington, it's going to be interesting to see how he recovers. I don't see a dip off from him. His fight with Kamaru Usman later last year was so competitive. And He's just an absolute savage, has a record for most strikes thrown. I watched his fight earlier, like last year, where he set the record. He's thrown like, I forget, it was over 500 strikes in a fight. He threw over 500 strikes against Robbie Lawler, and he basically manhandled Robbie Lawler, who's an absolute animal. So I'm just really excited for that whole entire fight card. I would literally pay $60 to watch that, but luckily we get it for not free because you have to have ESPN Plus, I think. Basically free. Basically free. But yeah, and we'll do, we'll definitely do predictions for that, but I don't want to do them too early because you need some time to think it over. Well, I think I have my picks here, but I just really hope none of them fall through. That's pretty impressive that that Covington kid was competitive with Kamaru Usman. That's probably like a very short list of fighters that could give Usman like a good match temper. i it was 2-2 going into the fifth round and colby covington i don't if he actually if he didn't get caught with that right hand or with his he had his jaw open and when he wasn't ready for a shot and camaro hit him really hard if that never happened i really think that colby is the well to a champion right now also colby a similar issue that transpired with ed herman in that fight with mike rodriguez where the fit the official saw a uh a groin shot when it actually wasn't mark goddard uh kobe kicked Kamaru to the body and it was actually like a liver shot i think and mark goddard stopped the fight saying it was a groin shot but it was a clear body shot that literally folded Kamaru uzman and if that wasn't called as a groin strike we could be looking at it a completely different welterweight picture right now we could be looking at kobe covington as being the current welterweight champion of the world, which is really interesting. I think that a few more fights, like if if Colby beats Tyron Woodley, he's right back in that picture to fight for the title. But yeah, I just think Colby has such a good thing going for him right now because if he people want to see him lose, you know, so everyone's going to come in and watch. And every everyone's tuning in to watch Tyron Woodley if he can have a resurgence and like knockout Colby Covington but it's like I hate to rant on everyone's parade it's not gonna happen 
like what you, what you think in the back, what you want to happen and what you know in the back of your head is going to happen. Like what's going to, what you, what you, like what you want versus what you know is going to happen. Like we all know Colby Covington's going to win this fight. You know what I mean? Do you think that this fight is kind of like beneath Colby Covington? Like what? A yeah. Guy like 110%, 110%. He's only taking this fight because it's easy. Would he be offended to like not be put on a pay-per-view there? what do you mean like do you think he would be like offended that he's on just like an espn plus like fight night instead of like on the pay-per-view yeah but he's the the main event so he's getting serious cash okay but yeah if he wasn't the main event on a pay-per-view card he wouldn't fight yeah but since he's the main event on like a fight night he is definitely game but this fight he's not getting tyron woodley when he was supposed to fight tyron woodley so He's not concerned at all, dude. And it's yeah. and it's like there apparently there's a story like that Tyron Woodley he's maybe had success against Colby Covington in the cage, but we're t- that's like a long time ago. This is like prime Colby Covington now versus Tyron Woodley that's kind of already out like one foot out the door, wants to get involved with like other TV gigs, rapping career, you know. So and we're looking at the Colby Covington that's completely focused and has a small training group. And it's interesting though he's not like talking too much beforehand, but that should change. And he's already he's already kind of solidified his shtick and his niche as like being the bad guy. And that alone kind of sells fights. You know what I mean? But yeah, super exciting. And then UFC is obviously coming back to Fight Island, which is really exciting. So yeah, this kind of do you have anything else you want to add? Or is there uh, any, anything else you want to talk about? Well, I think we should give our performers of the week. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I forgot about that. So you want to go first? Sure. I'll, for my guy, I'll go with the obvious NBA pick. So I'll pick Nikola Jokic just because um, he's basically been the guy who's been stressing out the Clippers defense, and he's been the guy who brought the Nuggets back into the series. He's kind of playing the best basketball of his career right now, which is surprising because the Clippers, I feel like they've done a good job of taking away um, his um, primary choice on offense, which is finding cutters and finding good passing angles. And the Clippers have actually done a good job of shutting that down and actually forcing Jokic into a bunch of turnovers. But Jokic is just scoring better than he ever has at any point in his career. He's hitting three-pointers at an insane clip, especially over the past two games. He's hitting shots over basically any non-Avitsa Zubats defender the nut, or the Clippers try to guard him with. And he's basically played the six-man-of-the-year Montrez Harrell off the floor. So mm-hmm. the, those are the reasons Nikola Jokic has to be my performer of the week. Yep. 100%. I agree. And I'm going to be really sad to see the Nuggets if they win game seven. You're going I mean, I'm not going to be sad per se, but I'm just going to be like, kind of shocked and confused yeah me too it'd be crazy so i like the clippers in a game seven though yeah probably i don't see Kawhi's gonna go off he's gonna score like 40 points i think it's gonna be more low scoring i think the clippers are gonna get probably a 12 or 14 point lead in the second and third quarters kind of like they have been doing i think we're gonna see the nuggets come back and get it to within like six or four and then from there, it's 
just going to come down to like the next couple of possessions, whether the Nuggets can kind of break through that barrier and tie it up and then we'll have a barn burner in the last few minutes or if the Clippers can kind of restore order. But yeah, ultimately, like you said, I got to trust Kawhi in a game like this. Yeah. And so I'm going to have a couple performers of the week. So I'm obviously going to go with Kevin Kroom who beat, he was a massive underdog against Roosevelt Roberts. It was like the biggest underdog on the card, obviously clipped him with the left overhand and then caught Roosevelt in the guillotine kind of, I don't know, kind of shocked the world there. And then I got to kind of eat my pride a little bit here and recognize good players when I see him. And, uh, I got to go with Buda Baker, who's an absolute savage, flies around the field, put him in, they put him in the box. He might not get the most interceptions, but he had a total of 15 tackles. I think it was like 10 solo, 10 solo um, five assisted. He really helps out in the box, especially against a good running team, like the San Francisco 49ers. And he's a really hard hitter, basically hurt George Kittle today, like just with a clean hard hit. And he just flies around the field. And I got to, yeah. You got to give credit where credit's due. You know what I mean? Give some love to the UW man. But Buda Baker, dude, that man earned his offseason cash because I think they extended him, right? Or they re-signed him. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty sure uh, they did. But yeah, Buda Baker's a savage. Um, just adding on because I'm pretty sure he had like 147 tackles last year alone. He's a tackling machine. But And I even think he plays hurt. I did, he did not look good at times during the game, but he's still stuck in there. But, yep, I think that basically wraps up a little quickie episode. How did week one go for your fantasy team? Uh, I lost both in both ones. Oh. All right, I'll go. We'll go over that a little bit more on Tuesday. Okay, okay. sounds good. Or not. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah Tuesday for sure. All right. When we've got an NFL expert. And, and we, yeah, exactly. Let me drop that on uh, Wednesday, and then that'll be perfect time before Thursday Night Football, our predictions. But, yeah, awesome. Thank you, Jonah, for doing this. I know this probably wasn't the most exhilarating episode for you. No, thanks for having me on. Yeah, sounds good. All right, bye-bye. See ya.